behind the chair. This is America. Does everybody know what time it is? Fix it radio. And it is that time. Fix it radio. KLZ 560. Myself, Larry Unger, sitting in with me today. Charlie Grimes, of course, our engineer. want to say thanks to Dennis Brewster for Filling in last week while I was down at the Barrett Jackson, Barrett Jackson, I should say, auto auction down in uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix area, and uh, Larry filling in as well. Appreciate that very much, and hope you guys had a good time last oh, week. I, I could hear you did. He did. He had a great show. Yeah, yeah. You, guys, you guys did great. So appreciate that very, very much, and uh, mean that sincerely. So uh, it was a good show. I'll talk more about that on Drive Radio. So if you guys, you know, are listening and want to stay tuned, I'll give you more details once we get to. Uh, drive radio but yeah i had a good time a lot of fun and really quick i will just tell you that kind of a foreshadowing of drive radio uh, you would not know there was any economic issues whatsoever being at that auction let's just say that larry i'm sure i everything i've read so far is just incredible uh again i'll talk more about it in drive radio but I, and i really wanted to go as much for that as anything because i just wanted to see you know even you know economy wise you know not that that's a true gauge of what's going on in the economy but but it's an indicator those types of events do have a bearing you know those are those are a, a different well I shouldn't say it that way there's high end buyers there's low end buyers there's everybody in between buyers there's people yep. that are attending i mean you literally do have all walks of life there so to get a gauge of what's going on economically by being in an event like that was actually pretty fun but anyways we're going to talk more about What's going on around the house? Supposed to be close to, this is uh, today, uh, February, now February. Make sure you get that R in there. February the 4th. So if you're listening to a replay show, this is Saturday the 4th. Supposed to be almost 60 degrees today, which for a lot of folks is probably very welcomed. It is for me, the deep freeze stuff. I'm I'm over. We can warm up now, and, and we will have more snow and more weather, no doubt, but it could at least warm up and get rid of some of this white stuff, and I'd be fine with that. I would, too. Absolutely. There's a lot of it stacked up in places. <laughs> Even down here at the station, you look west in some of the parking lot areas here, there's there's a good you know six, seven, eight-foot snow mound still in places oh, yeah. around here, and there's other yep. parking lots that are exactly the same. So, no, I'm ready. I think a lot of you out there listening are as well. It's a reminder, though. Uh, somebody actually texted this yesterday. We are halfway through winter as of yesterday. Hmm. So today we start the downhill, if you would, of coming out of winter, heading into spring. For those of you, though, that have lived in Colorado any length of time, spring doesn't always mean really nice warm weather in Colorado. We can have snow. We can have blizzards. We can have rain. We can have floods. Or we can have none of that and have it be really nice. It's a, it is a literal literal crapshoot when it comes to what weather we get in the spring here. Oh, yeah, and we also had hail and everything else goes and, and by it. the way, everything I just said could happen in one week. Absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes does. And sometimes does. <laughs> so so, so uh, if, you ha if you're new to Colorado, 
Um, no, we are not out of the woods yet. I'll talk a little more about that when it comes to your vehicle and such and drive radio, snow tires, all those different things. We are a long way from being completely out of winter. But when it comes to things around the house, it is time now to start thinking about, okay, do I have... I know I do. This was a reminder for me this morning. Do you have some broken limbs because of some of the snow and things we've oh, yes. had? Absolutely. Do, you, do you need to do a little pruning where some of those limbs have come off? Uh, you know, so on and so forth. And, and, you know, even on a day like today where it's going to be around 55 degrees or so to get out there and do some of that cleanup, even now mid-season, nothing wrong with that. Now, doesn't mean you won't be doing more as we get into the springtime, but, you know, stay ahead of it. If you got a chance to be out in the, in the sun today, do so. It makes it a lot easier if you stay ahead of it instead of falling behind it. <clears throat> I've got a few places where um, tree limbs have broken off. I need to get the saw out and, you know, trim those up. Yep. And we've talked about that before on Fix-It Radio. And, and there's a rule of thumb to that, and it's easier to actually point you to the internet than it is for me to try to describe it on air. But what you want to do is make a 45-degree cut on that branch, but you want to make that 45-degree cut in relation to how it's coming out of the tree. The best thing to do is go to the internet, say how to properly prune or trim a tree or a tree branch that has broken off, and it will tell you exactly where to cut it off at, and I highly suggest that's what you do. Don't rely on a neighbor or anybody else out there telling you what to do. Go look it up. Even in some cases, a species of tree, if you know what the species is, go look it up, ask. In most cases, people will trim the tree far too close to the trunk. You actually don't want to get that close. You want to stay away from the trunk a little bit and trim that branch off and just leave it like that. You don't want to get right up against the trunk of the tree. Well, the rule of thumb used to be that you cut your branch off even with the tree, and then you put tar on it. You don't do that anymore? No. No. The tar, for those of you listening, yeah, thank you, Larry, for saying that. The tar thing has gone away. We learned through the years that really didn't do anything. The, tr- the tree will heal naturally all on its own. You don't have to put the black tar on it. You do need to trim it properly. And to Larry's point, the other misconception with that one was you don't go that close to the to the you know to the tree trunk exactly. itself you stay away from the trunk it will heal itself there'll be a little stub sticking out at that point not a problem in some trees there'll be a new branch that'll actually even eventually yes. form out of that particular area as well so again don't don't cut it all the way back to the trunk uh, you want to cut it at the right angle and that's important as well because of moisture and other things when it comes to the tree itself i mean i think at times we forget the tree is a living organism and it has to be treated accordingly. And, yes, they get injured when a, when a tree branch, you know, comes off because of the snow, wind, things like that. Yeah, it's injured at that point. We need to fix that injury. But, no, you don't need to wrap it, tar it, do anything along those lines. Just trim it off properly, dispose of the branch accordingly, and away you go. And let deal. it heal itself. Let it heal itself. And that's pretty true for all trees. Again, there's some... Different trees and different things you need to do. And if you've got any kind of question at all, again, just go to the Internet, look it up, decide what that is. You know you, you know what the tree species is, which, again, that's one thing we have today that we didn't used to have back in the day. You know, when we were kids, you'd have to get a book out, <laughs> yeah. look at a leaf, <laughs> yeah. try to figure out exactly what kind of tree it was. And some of you know trees better than others. Today, there's even apps on your phone where you literally can walk up to a tree, take a picture of it, and it will literally tell you what kind of tree it literally is yep. that quickly. So. We have huge advancements now on that, so you can figure out exactly what you have. And, and some of this, you know, I spe- also should say this. 
This is for those of you that are able to do this without having to get tall ladders out and climb way up in the tree and do things along those lines. If it's easy, close to the ground, and you can get to these things, great, go for it. If you've got branches and things that are way up high, no. Call a tree trimming service. Have them come out. They've got all the right tools and equipment to do what you need. And now there are pole saws and things like that for a lot of you. But, again, if you've only got one or two branches and you you feel like, hey, it's way up in the tree and I don't want to mess with that, there's plenty of tree companies that will come by and help you with there that. There is that, and there's also you can rent man lifts True. if you want to do it yourself. True. So you can be careful about it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get on a ladder up against the tree. No. That's the, kind of the last thing you want to do. <laughs> yeah. um, now, if you've got a, a ladder that you can put out a, away from the tree and kind of get up on the ladder itself, have somebody hold it. But, again, you're going to be handling very sharp items, in some cases a small chainsaw. The last thing you want to do is be up on a ladder and have it go out from underneath you and have other issues. And, yeah, we don't want that. Now, that's, that's we want so you way to get yourself safe. hurt. Yeah, we want you being safe. So, Again, just giving you a little tip when it comes to some of those things. The other thing you can do this time of the year is for a lot of you that have Austrian pine trees, most of those needles have already fallen off. They typically do that in the fall and winter months. If it's nice and warm and you've got the time, get the rake out. Go ahead and get a lot because they're a fire hazard as well. So go ahead and get as many of those raked up and cleaned up as you can. Uh, they're a pain in the neck. It's one thing about Austrian pines I'm, I'm not a big fan of is those big, long needles will shed and they fall off. And it's what they do. They shed, grow new, shed. It's like yep. our hair follicles. They fall out, grow new ones, fall out, grow new ones. So uh, it's another, another time of the year where you can go in and clean a lot of that stuff up as well. Well, and if you have grass or anything like that under the tree, those needles will kill the grass unless yeah. you get them cleaned they're, up. They're and heavy in iron and all that. So, yeah, you want to get yeah. all that stuff cleaned up. That's exactly right. So that, that's also where I've read, I've read a lot of things, even this last fall, and we never talked about it on Fix-It Radio here, where there's a lot of misconception. What do I do with the leaves that are falling off the trees? Should I just you know, leave them out in the yard? Is that, that really good nutrients for the grass and so on? And the answer to that is maybe. Depends on the tree. Depends on the yard. Depends on a lot of factors. I am not a big one on leaving them lay out there because, to Larry's point, they have a lot of other things in them that don't necessarily coincide well with your bluegrass. And if you decide you want to leave the leaves out, mulch them. Yeah, the, get them the ground course. up. Yep. Yes. And that will be good yes. nutrients for your grass. Yes. And it won't kill the grass. Don't <clears> just leave them lay. Because if you notice that, you know, a leaf that gets on the sidewalk, for example— You'll notice the orange yes. stain that that leaf leaves. That's the iron and the nutrients that are in that leaf that are now staining the concrete. So think about what that does to your grass and other things. So, again, I'm with Larry. If you're going to leave them on the ground, get them all mulched up. Now, most of you are still going to have snow on the ground. Uh, maybe not so much by tomorrow. Some of this, was we're looking out even over the golf course here to the west, is melting off pretty quick. We get into the 50s today, and it's going to go away rather quickly but again get your cleanup stuff done it's midwinter right now exactly midwinter we've still got more winter to come if you notice there's anything you need to take care of now on some of these nice days this is the time to go ahead and get it done and over with and it depends on which way your house is facing if it's Good facing point. south your front yard is going to be clean and so on and so forth and your backyard is going to be full of snow if it's no if your front yard is north your front yard is going to be full of snow, and your backyard will be clean. So mm -hmm. you got to adjust your way of cleaning accordingly. Yep. And for those of you that live with your yard facing the north, um, 
not the end of the world. You'll just have snow on it longer than yep. the folks that are across the street from you. You you look like you live in Siberia. They look like they live in Florida. <laughs> so it's one side of the street versus the other. Yep. And that's just the way it is in Colorado. That will start to change. I, I should have mentioned this a moment ago. Uh, Dan, who was my co-host on The Daily Show Forever, Dan Muir, he sent me a thing today where in February we gain an hour of daylight in this part of the world. Really? I yeah. did not know that. He, he sent me a chart early this morning. I was reading it, and I'll open it back up here again. Yeah, so in our area from about Salt Lake City south to the bottom of Colorado, not quite the bottom of Colorado, but pretty close to it, we gain 60 minutes. Up north, where Dan's at, when you get up into the Minnesota area and so on, uh, they gain 70 minutes. And as you get up towards the Canadian border, they gain 80 minutes this time of the year in February. Now, below us, of course, they gain less. You get down to Texas, they only gain 40 minutes. The Arizona area above Phoenix gets about 50 minutes. And, of course, the further south you go, the less they gain. So you get all the way down to the tip of Florida, they only gain about 30 minutes. So we gain twice as much in our area as what Florida will this time of the year in daylight. Interesting. So, yeah, so for those of you that like the the daylight hours and having more daylight in the evening, uh, this is something else to remember. Daylight saving time will start six weeks from this weekend, I believe. I've got to look that up exactly, but I believe it is exactly, I'll count it up here in a minute, but I believe it is exactly six weeks from now. So one, two, three, four, five weeks, actually. So we're we're five weeks away from daylight saving time because it's the second weekend of March is when it is. So we're, we're five weeks away at this point from daylight saving time. So those of you looking forward to having some evening hours where you can do some things and and as you all know that have lived here any length of time, we start to warm up and things will change a little bit. Our average temperature will start to raise some. But with all that being said, I have seen it drop below zero in February. Yes. So don't, again, don't think we're completely out of the woods yet. Just because we have these really nice days like we're going to have right now doesn't mean we're completely out of the woods. If you do anything right now and you wash anything off of the pavement or anything like that don't forget to still unhook your garden hose after you've done that oh, yes do not leave it hooked up because some of you may be out washing the car washing the pavement down the sidewalks washing off some ice melt some of that sort of stuff fine you can do that just make sure you're unhooking your hose because you don't want to leave that on because again we still have a lot of we, we have half of winter left and then we still have the spring here yep. and if you're going to use your hose once you disconnect it from the hose bib you want to drain it. Drain it out if you can, yes. Yep. In fact, if you've got the ability to store that hose inside, basement, garage, something along those lines, do so. You're better off if you can make that work that way. Uh, John and Cheyenne, what's going on? Hey, you were talking about the daylight. Yes. If you want to really get motivated, go to, we- go to Weather Underground, right, and put in your local zip code. And on there... But you got to do it not on their app, on the web page. If you scroll down to where it says the sun, it tells you tomorrow will be two minutes and so many seconds longer than today, and it nice. does that every day. Nice. Until and so if you if you want to get motivated, that's uh, one of the things on their website that I kind of like. It tells you how much longer. But the depressing thing is, is when you get into July and August, it doesn't it goes work. the other way, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Start losing it. Yeah. So, I uh, I know, but it's a beautiful day up here today. Just enough wind. Between the sun and the wind, we should get a lot of evaporation on the snow. 
Yeah, and I think we're going to be the same Four down here, now. John, which, again, is, is it's let's face it, it's welcomed. We oh, need it. You know what? I was... I, I was the one that texted you that on half a day, uh, halfway through winter. Oh, yeah, and you were spot I am on. Really ready for May first. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, you know, I am not, really ready for May first. This has been a well for those of you even that have moved in from other places here in Colorado, especially. This has been a colder, and we have had snow on the ground down here. Anyways, John, we have had snow on the ground here since probably the middle of December, oh. which really doesn't ever happen for us. Yep. Oh yeah, it's it, and that usually up here too. We'll get those four or five day Chinook wind warm ups, and it just eats the snow. But we haven't gotten any of those yet this year, really. Uh, no, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, and we typically don't get them anyway. So yeah, and those, yeah, and that's what we look for mid February, later February. You know, get one of those three or four days where it's you know. 50-mile-an-hour winds, but it's also 55 degrees out, and it right. eats the snow. Right. But we, uh, if the other thing, and I'm sure you'll bring it up on drive radio, but around the house, is if on a nice day like day, check your snow removal equipment, too. Oh, good idea, John. You're good, good one. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, whether it's uh, checking the blower, checking the oil, changing the oil mid-season on the blower, if you've used it a lot, or, you know... If you got using a snow plow or something like that, maybe check the oil. Does it need an oil change? Things of that nature. You yeah, know you mean? know, and the other thing too, really quick, John, as you mentioned that on snow blowers, you know, they have little scrapers on them, and some of them even have, um, you know, little slides on the bottom. You know, go ahead and check all of those. If there's any adjustments that need made, to your point, now's the time to do that. Yeah, we're not out of the woods yet. To your point. Oh, I I was listening. Uh, to the radio yesterday morning and uh, i don't know you know who don day the weather guy is no he was saying next week looks great but the following week it looks like we're going to get another arctic blast towards the end of the following week well like i said i mean i've lived in colorado long enough to know i've i've seen it be below i've seen it be below zero for two weeks at a time in february before so yeah yeah it's we're not out of the woods yet not at all oh i oh not at all and what i always look at it this way I wait until Mother's Day to swap out my my all season tires for my snow tires. I don't think that's bad. That's that's, that, that's early May. Day. Probably not a bad idea, John. Like, yeah, any sooner than that, you're asking for trouble, in my opinion. I agree. I don't know. I agree. And then you usually Columbus Day is when I put them back on. Well, especially if you do any kind of Monday mountain driving. October. Sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Well, you guys have a great day, John. We will. John, you too. Enjoy the weather and uh, enjoy your day. And for everybody else out there, yeah, John, that's a good reminder. Those of you that have some of the snow removal equipment, snow blowers, uh, snow plows, things like that, depending on ATVs or whatever, yeah, good time of the year right now. Do a little maintenance if need be. Check all those things that... That you know all your wearables, your wear parts. Uh, make sure that you know you're full of oil, and of course, top off with gas and all of that. Because to his point, we yeah we we are not done with snow in Colorado. I, I've I've only ever seen since I've been doing snow removal and all of that, Larry. I can remember one year where at this point in time we got no more snow. Really, just one, one time, mm-hmm. and that was the year that we got the. 30-some inches of snow right before Christmas. 
It snowed about a foot every weekend thereafter. By the time we got to about the middle of February, it shut off. And we had no more snow the rest of the year because I think we had so much that dumped <laughs> prior to that. Now, I, we still ended up with a lot of snow. So even though it, it shut off early, it just happened to be one of those years. I, I anticipate, and I think John's right, even in what he said a moment ago with the forecast, I anticipate we will have much more weather through the rest of the year. So, again, get some of these things done on a warm day like today. I've got a few electrical tips I'm going to give you guys as soon as we come back as well. We'll kind of shift gears here. So don't go anywhere. Myself and Larry, Charlie Unger, of course, our engineer. We'll be right back. This is Fix-It Radio, KLZ 560. Thinking rates are too high to buy a home? Wish they were in the threes or fours? Well, your wait is over. Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage. With a 3-2-1 buy-down, you can now purchase a home at 3.193% first year, 4.913% second, 5.913 the third, and the remaining years at 6.913, with an APR of 6.985. If rates go down, refinance and save even more. On a $400,000 loan, your monthly payment would be over $748 a month less the first year, $511 the second, $262 the third, with a total savings of over $18,000. Before you buy, take AIM, 720 Three to one buy downs available up to 95% loan to value. If you're thinking about home ownership, now may be the best time to purchase. Call Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720-895-0500. Own your new home and save thousands in payments. That's 720-895-0500. 80% LTV, 30-year fixed, 6.985% APR, 740 FICO, primary home, rates as of 1116, NMLS 298-191, and rates subject to change. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured. But you're not alone. While Paul Lewinberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, You'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance now at 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. 
Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. All right, Fix It Radio, Larry Unger, Charlie Grimes. It's not Charlie Unger. They're not related. I don't know why I said that a minute ago, but anyways, no. Uh, Charlie Grimes, Larry Unger, appreciate them being with me today. And Dave Hart, you just heard him, uh, Roof Savers of Colorado. And, yeah, if you've also noticed some things where it's like, hey, I've got a gutter issue or I've got icicles in an area that I've never had before, that means you've typically got something going on that you need to have looked at you can have dave out especially during this kind of interim uh, warmth that we have have dave out have him look at things see what needs done he can get that taken care of before we have our next winter blast and he can do all of that for you and again just go to fixitradio.com find him there also stack optical don't talk near enough about alan great guy anything you need when it comes to your eyewear or even your eye exam alan can do that for you and when it comes to some of the things we talk about where you want specific glasses for specific needs some of you guys do everything from working on cars to welding to arts and crafts and all sorts of different things and as we age our eyes change and in certain times we need different glasses for different applications and rather than fighting with readers and all of the other stuff that's out there where you're trying to figure out how to do these things on your own just go to alan and have him make you a pair of glasses that work for the types of things that you're doing. It will make your life so much easier because he can customize. If you're somebody like myself where you've got a trifocal type lens, and I wear contacts that are that way, but if you have a trifocal lens where you need one for reading, one for distance, and maybe one for really, really close-up work or even intermediate work, whatever, whatever your eyes are like, he can adjust those lenses according to where you're looking while you're doing that particular work. For example, if you're an auto technician that wears glasses and you look up a lot, he can actually put the bifocal portion at the top of the lens, not the bottom of the lens, to make it easier if you're under a dash and doing things along those lines. So those of you that, that shoot and do a lot of outdoors and think, you know, th- things outdoors, sports outdoors and so on, he can adjust and do whatever you need to across the board on all of those areas. So Stack Optical 303 303- Three two one one five seven eight. Let him know that I sent you. He'll take great care of you, and really appreciate Alan. All right, I've got some some uh, aids or some. The title of this article is Eight Common Mistakes That DIYers Make with Electrical Projects." Now, first things first. If you know anything about electricity, great. I have no problem with you working on some of this stuff around the house yourself. If, on the other hand, You've never done it, and you really don't have much familiarity with electricity, even as far as changing an outlet out. Leave that to a professional. Yes. Do not attempt to do that on your own. Now, if again, if you're somebody that knows how to do a few things around the house that way, sure. I personally, I would. I mean, I would 
have no problem personally changing an outlet and doing some things along those lines. I know I know electricity and can do those things myself, and it's not an issue, even though most of the code that, not all of the code, but that can be easily looked up, but most of the code, even when it comes to some of those things and so on. But here's some of the mistakes. Not securing the outlet. Yep. I've seen that. I've even done, you know, house tours where you're looking around, and it's like, what's going on with that outlet over there? Yep. And you look a little closer, and it's like, well, nobody ever even put any screws in it to make sure the thing stays where it's supposed to. And the little metal tabs that are on the end of the outlet, those aren't there to bend over to make the outlet stay. <laughs> You're to screw the outlet into the box. Yep. And those little tabs have other purposes, which if you don't know what they are, look it up. But there's lots of little purposes that those actually have that I will not get into. But, yeah, you need to make sure that that outlet is nice and secure. Um, I'm sort of a particular guy to where I also want the outlet to be straight. I want it to be poking out exactly the right, you know, I want it flush. I don't want it, you know, extruding out of the face plate. I also don't want it behind the face plate. I want it nice and flush and looking right. And the reason they make those screws somewhat adjustable is so that you can do what I just said accordingly and, and get that outlet adjusted just right to where it's fitting in there the way it's supposed to, but it's nice, tight, and secure. Well, let's face it, John, over the course of time when you're using that outlet, it's going to become loose. So you're going to have to periodically tighten them back up and adjust them accordingly. Correct. The next one is safety switches versus circuit breakers. Know the difference and understand what's going on in your electrical panel. Safety switches help prevent electrical issues that can happen to you personally. They can detect electrical shocks before applying or before anything can occur and switch off the electricity before something happens. This can happen if a faulty electrical appliance is being used as well if there's issues with the wiring. Circuit breakers simply turn the power off when the load draws too much current. In other words, uh, they make a GFI-type breaker versus a regular breaker. And depending upon what you're doing and what you're powering, you, you'll need one or the other. And the code, ha- that's one area where if you don't know the code, because this changes on, you know, not a routine basis, but it has changed over time. At one time, and Larry can think back on this as well, we did not have GFI, period. No, nope. never did. And then when GFI came along, it was an outlet only. Well, now yeah, they make GFI cir- breakers. There's different circuits that needed Correct. GFI circuits. Typically anything... Anything involving something with water nearby. In your bathroom. Kitchens, bathrooms, yep. even some basements, things like that. Uh, a lot of people hate GFI because it's it's a, GFI stands for ground fault interrupter. And a lot of people hate GFIs because it doesn't take much to shut that off. If there's something that is kind of going awry, it will go ahead and trip the GFI. And, and, and a lot of you that live in you know, different types of houses, track houses especially, they can put GFIs in places that, frankly, I don't really ever understand why they, well, I do. It's cheaper, and they put it in an area where they can get by with it and save money. And then a lot of times, for example, they'll have a GFI in the garage that runs an upstairs bathroom. I've got that. Okay, so there's there you go. There's, yep. there's weird things that can go on that way, and you need to understand where that's at now in that particular case where larry's at that gfi is con- you don't want to take the gfi out because it's controlling what's going on in the bathroom exactly so you still got to leave it and they put the gfi in the garage as well because there's water there well i got a gfi in the upstairs bathroom as well as in the garage so now you've got two, you two of them. okay yeah. so know, know what these are and again know that in 
this is something that's changed uh, of late, you know, 10 years or so. I mean, I don't know exactly. Maybe it's longer than that. But really, they've kind of started to become a lot more popular probably in the last 10 years or so. And that's a GFI breaker in your breaker panel. So, for example, if you have somebody out and they install a hot tub, by code, it's supposed to have a GFI breaker yes. in the panel itself yep. to run the hot tub. And your hot tub's not going to be 120. It's going to be 240. 240 in most cases, yeah. unless it's a small tub. But, yes, thank you, Larry. That's exactly right. So, again, these are things that if you're – if this is above your pay grade and you don't really understand it, have an electrician out that understands all of this and do it correctly. If you can do some of these things yourself, though, again, look up code and make sure that you're doing this correctly so you know that you're putting the right – uh, breaker, or the right type of breaker, I should say, in the panel itself so that you're, you're doing that the way that it's supposed to. Because here's the other thing that can happen. You decide, oh, I'm going to move. I'm going to sell. Well, one of the things that's going to happen, especially now, for a while we were waiving these. I'm glad we're not anymore because I think it's best for the buyer not to. But for a while we were waiving inspections. Yes. You're not now. They are inspecting. And the first thing that somebody that's a sharp inspector is going to look at is, are all of these things up to code? Does that hot tub have a GFI breaker, for example, on it? Is that bathroom GFI protected? They're going to look at some of those things. And if it's not, you're going to need to bring those things up to code anyway. So you might as well start off doing it correctly versus not. Well, on the other side of that problem is if you do your own electrical repair, well, it just be a simple breaker or a, a socket. If that thing catches fire, your insurance may not cover. Yeah, you need to yeah, double-check all of that. Good point, Larry. Joe, what's going on, sir? Oh, John, just a couple things I've seen. Uh, I've seen people, you know, they've failed the GFI. You know, the GFIs go bad. And I've seen people take out a GFI because it's a $15 thing and replace it with a $2 standard receptacle, which is a huge no-no. If, if and they do that to save money. They, they do it to save the, the $13 difference between the GFI plug and the $2 receptacle, so huge no-no, don't do that. Uh, I also see people who have no, no, they don't understand there's a difference between a 15-amp receptacle and a 20-amp receptacle, and they'll take a 20-amp receptacle, which has a T, one of the little slots, one of the two vertical slots will have a T in it, which allows you to plug in a 20-amp appliance uh, into that receptacle, right. and you don't, want to, you don't want to do that. If you have a 15-amp um, receptacle that goes bad you want to put a 15 amp receptacle in um i've seen i've pulled out uh, my wife wanted she, she wanted to replace some the switches with different colors and dimmer switches and i pulled them out and i've seen um i've seen wires connected to the uh i've seen the negative connected to the positive uh, there's there's one of your slots is big the other one is small um the uh the black the gold is wire, black Right. The silver right. one is the white, supposed to be. Right. right. And, the, and the larger of the two is white. Right. I've also seen on the uh, – now, there's typically you can either poke them in to, to two little inserts or you can wrap them around the screw. I've seen them wrapped around the screw the wrong way so that as you tighten yep. the screw, you, you basically no, You want to be tightening with the wire, not against the yep. wire. Right. You want to wrap that wire around the screw head so that when you tighten the screw yep. – Tighten the curl, not loosen the and curl. And I hate the poke-in ones. I, I'm a guy that I will always put it around the screw and do that correctly. I hate the poke-in ones. Even right. if it comes and, with a poke-in hole. Yeah, the poke-in yeah. ones over time, as you know, Joe, they can get loose and they can spark and have problems. And, and I know I'm probably being a little anal there, but I, I just I hate the poke-in ones. 
No, and I'm with you, John. I, I even if I get one that has both options, I'll always I'll always use the screws. Yeah. Uh, plus, if you ever want to change that, it makes it easier. Um, and where you may come into this, you know, people sometimes say, "Well, I want to put a dimmer switch." Well, uh, that's where you're going to maybe wind up, be tempted to do a little DIY. You want to take out a, a simple on-off and put a dimmer switch in. Um, but you you need to know first of all, is your fixture one that you can dimmer? Certain like LEDs can't be dimmed, so if you're going to do that, you want to make sure you have a dimmable LED. Correct. Because not all LEDs are dimmable. And make sure you don't have a three-way switch, because that's a whole other ball game if you do. Right, and you can do it, you but can. you have to know yep. if you have more than one switch that controls the same light fixture. That's called a three-way, yep. and you yep. need to get a special three-way. Well, you'll end up having to do dimmers on both ends. You can't just do the one. Um. Well, I, well, I did a three. I did a three-way dimmer on one, so I've got an on-off on one, which I just leave, and then I've got the dimmer on the other. So, gotcha. Uh, so I did that. So I put a, a dimmer on one. I just leave the other switch in the, in the made position. Got it. Okay. Uh, but there's all these little things, and, and so if you're gonna, if you don't, to your point, John, if you're in, oh, and the last thing you can buy for five bucks one of these little testers. It's a little yep. plug-in. Great idea. And it's got and, and, and real quick. Do, so for everybody listening, what Joe's talking about, it's a little. It looks like a end of an extension cord, but there's three lights on it. And when you plug it in, there's even a diagram on this little unit itself that says whether everything is working properly or not based upon how the lights light up. Right. So for instance, if you mistakenly put the hot wire to the wrong screw, it'll tell you when you're all done. When you plug this yep. in. You won't get the green light. That's right. It'll tell well, you. It'll tell you. Say, hey, this is backwards. It'll even, you know, <laughs> this is backwards. Yeah, they're right. sophisticated enough to tell you exactly what's going on. By the way, Joe, every, if you do any kind of work around the house, and even if you're going to do a, like a preliminary home inspection on your own, you should have one of those. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, don't don't even think about doing any receptacle work unless you spent the five dollars yep. to get one of those little little circuit test well and one step further you should also have some sort of a way they make them now you know klein makes a handheld unit or you can use a voltmeter as well but if you don't have a meter to make sure that the power is off even with even after you've quote unquote turned it off you you know don't use the wet finger test is my point <laughs> oh no no oh, actually John, i think for, i think for six bucks i got a couple of them laying around the house for six bucks i got one of these things that's got two little leads and a little LED light, yep, and it'll, it'll you show you. That's right. And it'll show you 110, 220. Um, and so when you pull it out, by the way, if you think you got the breaker turned off, you just touch these two little leads to the to the two wires, and it'll tell you is the power really is it blowing off? or not. Right. And if and if your something isn't working, the very first thing I do is I'll put the two leads into the into the receptacle slots. And is there power? If I got power, then it's the appliance, and it's not the right. it's not the outlet. And if I'm having my wife flip breakers, you know, I'll have her flip the breakers, and I'll be standing there with the receptacles because not every breaker box is properly. And I'll be saying and this way, I'll be able to tell when she threw the right breaker because I got one of these little six dollar voltage testers. It, it doesn't tell me how much the voltage is, but it says it's either. You know, if it's 110, they'll get 110. If there's no light, it's mm -hmm. off. It's cold. Mm -hmm. So $6 voltage tester before you start. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, just I guess I'll throw this in there, Joe. If everything we just said went over your head, you shouldn't be touching anything electrical anyways. Yep. Yeah, if you didn't understand what John and I are talking about. <laughs> yeah, just saying. <laughs> if, you, if all of that just went over your head, just call the, just call the electrician and call it good. Right. Other thing, get by, if, you, if you understood what John and I are talking about, 
and you don't own a calibrated wire stripper, uh, you need yeah. to buy one. Yeah, you're you, going to be stripping, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and I, that's another one of those areas. Don't 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 go cheap. Buy the good ones because you'll hate the cheap ones. Yep. Yeah, and you know, so if you're you know, so you know, you, you don't want to try to to eyeball this or with a pair of uh, dike cutters or whatever. I mean, 16 gauge, 12 gauge. Can't use know. that name anymore, Joe. I'm, I'm sorry, no 16. <laughs> no, but lamp. <laughs> Lamp cord, John. If I'm if I'm wiring side cutters, side cutters, Joe. We can't use the other word anymore. Oh no, 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 no side cutters. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can't call them. You know, I don't even know the derivation of that term. I don't either. I mean, that's when I was a kid growing up. That you just called them that, and I, I beats the heck out of me why we had to change it. Well, by the way, you know, I was watching an electrician. I was in the health club the other day, and they were changing. They had electricians in there changing out ceiling lights, changing out light fixtures. They're going from fluorescence to LEDs. Ah, got it. The guys were pulling down the, you know, the metal right. flex metal cable, and I said, "Do they still call that BX?" And he said, "No, they don't." And uh, uh, and uh, apparently they stopped calling. I don't know when you were in, when I was young, it was BX. It was either Romex or BX. Right. Yep. You so know why they change BX? that? Uh, I don't know, but apparently he told me BX stood for Brooklyn something that used to be made in Brooklyn. Oh. But, but they no longer call it BX. Uh, okay. It's like metal clad or something. Yeah, I've looked. When it, when you buy it at, like, Home Depot or whatever, there's a different name on the box. I can't remember. But, yeah, you're you're right. Never right. really and paid attention to that. And if you live out in the country and you have any sort of an outbuilding, a barn or anything, uh, you're supposed to put all dustproof stuff. Um, yeah. You're not supposed to put standard Right. Uh, you're supposed to have dustproof light fixtures, uh, dustproof receptacles with covers on them. Yep. Because uh, in my barn, and of course you got rats out there. You're not supposed to have re- exposed Romex cable either. Everything's supposed to be in, in conduit or EMT, and all your light fixtures and switches and receptacles are supposed to be dustproof. But particularly if you have an active barn with hey John, I would go up my in, if I had to change a light bulb. Uh, in my barn, I'd go. I'd go up on my ladder, John. There'd be a half inch of dust. Oh yeah. On top of the, oh yeah. On top of the fixture, and that would that can get in and cause a fire. It can. So. Yes. No. Exactly. Can. Yeah. That's why. You, so that's you, why you need those. If you have an outbuilding on your property, yeah, good point. Um, make sure you use it. Yeah, no, and, and again, do do it to code. Even if you're a handyman and you know how to do some of these things yourself and so on, that's great. And the code, Joe, is, especially now with the internet, the code's easy to look up. Just go look up what the code is for that area and do it correctly. Yep. It's not and hard. If you don't, and if it's over your head, and again, if you didn't understand what John and I are saying, hire an electrician. Yep. Easiest way to do it. That's Good right. one, Joe. Good tips. All right. Thank Thanks, you. man. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. We're up against a break. We'll be right back. Myself, Larry, Charlie. This is Fix It Radio, KLZ 560. You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured, but you're not alone. While Paul Lewinberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, you'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance now at 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. 
You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Thinking rates are too high to buy a home? Wish they were in the threes or fours? Well, your wait is over. Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage. With a 3-2-1 buy-down, you can now purchase a home at 3.193% first year, 4.913% second, 5.913% the third, and the remaining years at 6.913% with an APR of 6.985%. If rates go down, refinance and save even more. On a $400,000 loan, your monthly payment would be over $748 a month less the first year, $511 the second, 262 the third with a total savings of over $18,000. Before you buy, take aim. 720-895-0500. Three to one buy downs available up to 95% loan to value. If you're thinking about home ownership, now may be the best time to purchase. Call Affordable Interest Mortgage 720-895-0500. Own your new home and save thousands in payments. That's 720-895-0500. 80% LTV, 30-year fixed, 6.985% APR, 740 FICO, primary home, rates as of 1116, NMLS 298191, and rates subject to change. All right, we are back. Myself, Larry, Charlie, and uh, talking about just different electrical things around the house, some of the DIY things that folks do. And we were mentioning during the break you guys couldn't hear us, but Keep in mind, the reason why we have GFI and GFI breakers now and things like that is because of stupid people. People that do things that they don't know what they're doing. Keep in mind, we we went a very long time without having all of these quote-unquote safety devices. The reason we now have them is because somewhere along that line, some dodo head thought it was a good idea to stand in the bathtub and plug something into the outlet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in today's world, if you do that to GFI trips, it's no big deal. Back in the old days, it shocked you, and it was sort of, you know, 
selective process as to who lived and who didn't. It was a wake-up call. Kind of, <laughs> kind of makes you wonder if we shouldn't go back. No, I did, I'm not going to say that. Anyways, we, we have a lot of safety devices today just because people are dumb. I'm sorry. That's the biggest reason we have them. Oh, we have a lot of things that's changed because people don't use common sense. Can't use fireworks. Why? Because dummies people were dumb. didn't know how to take care of them. Now, here's another one that, that Joe mentioned a second ago, kind of brushed up on it. But if you are installing an outside light and there is no box there to actually mount the light to, in other words, there's just holes poking through the wall and you're going to mount the outside light, lantern, whatever you want to call it, right to the siding of the house. That's not technically the way that's supposed to be done. You're supposed to cut a hole, put a box in there, Yep. put the light to the box, and have everything tucked away in the box behind it. You're not, you're not supposed to just have a hole coming through the wall where you then just mount the light to the side of the whatever and call it good. To Joe's point a moment ago, you want to make sure you're doing all that correctly and you're using an outside fixture that's got the, the dust and water control on it and so on. That's technically how that's supposed to be done. I have seen different homes in the past, even different track homes where they literally will just poke holes through the wall, wire up the light, mount the light right to the wall and call it good. That is not the way that's supposed to work. Now, what I did in my, in my garage uh, for the outside lights is I have two holes that go through the concrete i put the wires through the hole and then i put the wires into a box there you go and wire tie everything together there you know, you go. and twist and there you go because you're you're yep you're going to be safe if you do it that way another common mistake and we should have mentioned this with joe a moment ago that a lot of folks make when doing their own wiring at home is they don't allow enough wire oh, yeah. in the box <laughs> yeah. for the item that they're actually hooking up. So they've wired a circuit. And unfortunately, they didn't leave. I mean, I always start with having about a foot of wire hanging out, At of, least, the, yeah. Yeah, hanging out of the box, and then you trim that back accordingly once you're all said and done. But I've worked on some outlets in the past where you were lucky if you had four or five inches of wire to deal with, which is really, really tight. Yes. Uh, trying to get everything done. and then, Again, that's the reason why you want a box is so you can put all of those things, the wires, the wire nuts, and so on, back in. And Ra do wrap that it all up inside the do box. Do that correctly, yep. yes. Yeah. The other thing that I've seen people make mistakes on, which this isn't in my notes here, but if you're using the right wire, you've stripped it correctly, you've got the right wire nut on it, you don't need anything else. I've seen people take black tape and wrap it around a wire nut and do all sorts of stupid things that you just don't need. I mean, yes, they call it electrical tape for a reason, but no, you don't really need that around a wire nut if you're using the proper gauge nut for what you're doing with the, what, with the gauge wires you're working on Good point. and yep. doing that correctly. If you do all that correctly and everything's nice and tight, you do not need to wrap it with black tape. That's right. If it's loose and you're putting tape on it to keep it tight, you got a problem. Well, on the other side of the coin is, depending on where you live, you can't just wire crimp a ground wire. Oh, good point. You have to have a crimp on it. Good point. Good point. So that's another one you need to double check on as well. The other thing that people do is, and this is on the next one here, is they either don't use the right gauge wire for the project or they will, mixed, they will mix gauges. That's also not supposed to be allowed. You, in other words... Uh, in most houses, 14 gauge is going to be pretty common. Now, there'll be some shops or even some older homes where somebody that was really custom put 12 gauge wire in instead. Now, one thing that you will notice, and 
and this is a very common, of course, in modern houses, is somebody turns on the hair dryer and the lights dim a little bit. Yep. I can pretty much tell you that's 14-gauge wire in that home. Now, if they turn the dryer on and nothing happens, probably wired with 12-gauge because it's got a bigger load capacity with that particular wire. The downside to 12-gauge is it's a little harder to work with because it's not as flexible. It's harder to get back into the box and all those things. Well, you have to understand that the higher the number of the wire, the thinner the wire is. Yeah, there's a misconception there as well. Yeah. Okay, that's side note. (laughs) Who came up with this gauge thing anyways? I have no idea. Because it doesn't make any sense, to your point. And the other side of the coin is in the older homes, they used aluminum wire. Oh, that's and not copper one. wire. Yeah, and that and thank you, Larry, for saying that. That's not in my notes. But those of you that have a, an older house that's got aluminum wiring, which, by the way, aluminum wiring got a bad rap. There's nothing really wrong with aluminum wiring if it's maintained properly. Correct. And there's even ways where an electrician can come in and even redo your outlets, put some copper pigtails. They've got special connectors yes. where they can put the copper onto the aluminum. The, the, what used to happen, and still does if you've got aluminum wiring, is the aluminum has a little bit of a vibration that the copper doesn't have. That vibration could cause wire nuts and things like that to come loose. Exactly. And that's where fires and things like that. Everybody blamed it on the wiring, you know, on the aluminum itself. It wasn't the aluminum wiring that was the problem. It was the fact that it would vibrate whatever the connection point was loose. And you can now, they make special, adapter is not the right word, but they they make special wire nuts where you can take a copper jumper, run it to the outlet, Put that back to the aluminum. Use this special wire nut, if you would, that will not come loose. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's even got a little bit of dielectric grease in it. Anyways, long story short, you do that correctly, have the right person out doing it, and you will eliminate all your issues. And no, you do not have to change out all of the aluminum wiring in the house. You can put those copper pigtails on there. They'll be safe. It just needs to be done correctly. Correct. So thank you, Larry, for mentioning that because the aluminum wiring thing is not... Is not is not in here now. Um, we mentioned this a moment ago, and Joe kind of hit on something uh, as far as the meters and stuff go. They're not that expensive now, and they're super super handy. And if you're doing any electrical work, I would highly highly recommend getting one of these. And they are a non-contact voltage tester. Yes. Again, Klein and a lot of other companies make these where literally you turn it on, you walk up to an outlet or a wire, and it will literally tell you either through sound or color code at the tip, is this hot or not? Well, and believe it or not... It's that simple. On your outlets, even though you turn the breaker off, doesn't mean there's no power to that outlet. You, you double-check that. Yes. Yeah, because you can have a neutral that's got some current coming back through it or something along those lines. So these, these non... They call them non-contact voltage testers. They're super handy. They're not a lot of money. Um, the things Joe and I talked about, they work. They're very inexpensive. But if you do any kind of work or you're doing any kind of remodeling or changing a bunch of outlets out from one color to another, because that's another thing that, that happens. People will remodel a house, and maybe somebody had almond outlets everywhere, and you went to white paint, and you want them all to be white now. Don't paint them, by the way. Change them. <laughs> Change them, yeah. Nothing worse than a painted outlet. Because they don't stay. So rather than painting them white, go ahead and change them out. But this, if, you're, if that's something you're going to go do, this non-contact voltage tester is, they are so slick. It's the only way to go. And that's that old saying, if you've got the right tools to do the job, Larry, it makes everything go that much faster. Well, and it's much, much safer. If you remember as a kid, 
the way you tested electricity is you stuck something in an outlet and got your yeah, finger do shocked. <laughs> the last one here Joe mentioned earlier, well, but I want to mention it again, and that is making sure that you're putting the right wire on the right side of the outlet. Black goes to the gold. Yep. The white goes to the silver. It's kind of easy to remember because the, the black, of course, is a darker wire color. The gold is a darker color as well. The white being silver, or the white going to the silver makes sense. So that's typically how it's done. And yes, every outlet will have gold screws on one side and silver screws on the other. It's really easy to know which side goes to which. And like Joe said as well, the white is the neutral. That's going to be the wider of the two slots on the plug. You're going to put the neutral onto that wide side. And, and you know, it doesn't make sense. Most people think, wait, Wait a minute. If it's the hot wire and it's the load side, why is it not the bigger one? Because we want the ground or the neutral to be larger. Yes. <clears throat> and and have the power be the smaller of the two. And and again, I'm not a huge fan of just sticking the wire into the back of the plug. And a lot of modern plugs are made that way. And on this is another area, real quick. I know I've only got a minute, but if you're doing this job and you're changing out a lot of outlets from one color to another, buy good outlets yes there are crummy outlets and there's really good outlets and some of you're going to say well what's the difference well there's a difference in the quality of the screw a quality of the outlet uh the quality of the plastic that the outlet's made of and how how brittle is it versus how you know how strong is it when you're plugging in and out but go ahead and spend a little extra money and buy the good outlets not the cheesy cheap ones well those good outlets will have a ground screw that and you could put the ground wire right. to and i would i would highly recommend and do that now one little other quick tip i'll give you most outlets if you if you just real quick you're doing a job you don't have a set of strippers like joe just said believe it or not there is a stripper on the outlet and it is that it's that diagonal it's that v-shaped place it's between what you think is a screw hole which is really just a tab and the outlet itself you can actually put the wire in there roll that around and it'll actually strip the wire so if you find yourself where you don't have any strippers you can actually use the outlet as a stripper just a little bit of a of a of a of a tip there if you would so we got to get out of here drive radio's coming up next larry thank you charlie thank you josh from legacy automotive is going to be with me in a moment if it's tuesday rush to reason is next but this is saturday we'll be right back with drive radio klz 560 and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.